Section thirteen of Under the Greenwood Tree. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Under the Greenwood Tree by Thomas Hardy. Part two, chapter five. Returning homeward. I took it very well then, said Mail as they walked up the hill. He behaved like a man, I did so, said the tranter, and I'm glad we've let him know our minds. And though beyond that we ain't got much by going, twas worth while. He won't forget it. Yes, he took it very well. Supposing this tree here was passing Mabel, and I standing here, and thick girt stone is father sitting in the easy chair. Dewey, says he, I don't wish to change the church music in a forcible way. That was very nice of the man, even though words be wind. Proper nice, out and out nice. The fact is, said Reuben confidentially, tis how you take a man. Everybody must be managed, queens must be managed, kings must be managed, for men want managing almost as much as women, and that's saying a good deal. Tis truly, murmured the husbands. Parson Mabel and I were as good friends all through it as if we'd been sworn brothers. I, the man's well enough, tis what's put in his head that spoils him, and that's why we've got to go. There's really no believing half you hear about people nowadays. Bless ye, my sonnies, tisn't the parson's move at all. That gentleman over there, the tranter nodded in the direction of Shiner's farm, is at the root of the mischief. What? Shiner? Aye, and I see what the parson don't see. Why? Shiner is for putting forward that young woman that only last night I was saying was our thick sweetheart, but I suppose can't be, and making much of her in the sight of the congregation and thinking he'll win her by showing her off. Well, perhaps her will. Then the music is second to the woman. The other church warden is second to Shiner. The parson is second to the church wardens. And God Almighty is nowhere at all. That's true. And you see, continued Reuben, at the very beginning it put me in a stud as to how to quarrel we in. In short, to save my soul, I couldn't quarrel with such a civil man without belying my conscience. Says he to father there, in a voice as quiet as a lamb's, William, you are a aged old man, as all shall be. So sit down in my easy chair and rest yourself. And down father's up. I could fain a laughed at thee, father, for thou take it so unconcerned at first, and then look so frightened when the chair bottom sunk in. You see, said old William, hastening to explain, I was scared to find the bottom go way. What should I know of spring bottoms? And thought I had broken it down. And of course, as to breaking down a man's chair, I didn't wish any such thing. And neighbours, when a feller ever so much up for a myth to see his own father sitting in his enemy's easy chair and a poor chap like Leaf made the best of, as if he almost had brains, why, it knocks all the wind out of his sails at once. It did out of mine. If that young figure of fun, Fance Day, I mean, 
said Bowman, hadn't been so mighty forward with showing herself off to Shiner and Dick and the rest, tis my belief we should never a left the gallery. Tis my belief that though Shiner fired the bullets, the parson made em, said Mr. Penny. My wife sticks to it that he's in love with her. That's a thing we shall never know. I can't unriddle her nohow. Thou'st ought to be able to unriddle such a little child as she, the tranter observed. The littler the maid, the bigger the riddle, to my mind, and coming of such a stock, too. She may well be a twister. Yes, Geoffrey Day is a clever man, if ever there was one. Never says anything, not he. Never. You might live with that man, my sonnies, a hundred years, and never know there was anything in him. Aye, one of these up-country London ink-bottle chaps would call Geoffrey a fool. He never find out what's in that man, never, said Spinks. Close? Ah, he is close. He can hold his tongue well. That man's dumbness is wonderful to listen to. There's so much sense in it. Every moment of it is brimming over with sound understanding. I can hold his tongue very clever, very clever truly, echoed Leaf. Ah, to look at me as if I could see my thoughts running round like the works of a clock. Well, all will agree that the man can halt well in his talk, be it a long time or be it a short time, and though we can't expect his daughter to inherit his closeness, she may have a few driblets of his sense, and his pocket, perhaps. Yes, the nine hundred pound that everybody says he's worth, but I call it four hundred and fifty, for I never believe more than half I hear. Well, he've made a pound or two, and I suppose the maid will have it, since there's nobody else. But tis rather sharp upon her, if she's been born to fortune, to bring her up as if not born for it, and letting her work so hard. Tis all upon his principle, a long-headed feller. Ah, murmured Spinks. "'Twould be sharper upon her if she were born for fortune and not to it. "'I suffer from that affliction.'" End of section 13 Recording by Rachel Linter in Bristol, UK